You're listening to Unbreakable, a sermon series on family, what God intends it to be and how your family can honor God. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. sitting next to you. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, we got some, we got some stubborn kids. I think that's what's happening there. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I want you to see what happens here. Everybody that's involved in this story, what happens is they have a spiritual panic attack. Abraham and Sarah, they are worrying about having children. They are worrying about issues with life. Hagar is doing the same thing. She's worrying about the things that are happening to her, things in her life. And so how in the world do we overcome a spiritual panic attack? What what do we do? How many of you... You got kids. You just admit that you got kids. Aren't they wonderful? You know, they're so wonderful sometimes. We just are so ready to check them into children's church so that other people can enjoy their wonderfulness, right? That's what we are. That's how we are. So, I mean, kids, they really are um, a blessing. I just told you guys about Sadie Kate. Sometimes she's really dramatic. You know what I mean? And I love her so much. Uh, But sometimes she's dramatic. And and I remember not too long ago, she was kind of just actually a week ago probably, she was crying uncontrollably. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, baby, what's wrong with you? And so she says, I don't want to talk about it, you know? And so uh, that breaks my heart, right? Everybody say, aww. And so I, she said, I don't want to talk about it. But I knew she really did want to talk about it because every time she does that, she goes back to her bedroom and she cries louder until you go back there to talk to her about it. And so I was like, baby, I know you want to talk about what's going on. And so she said, oh, she's just crying uncontrollably, all this crazy stuff. She's like, I'm never going to learn to read. I'm never going to learn to spell. Why don't we have any red Doritos? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, girl, well, I said, girl, you, you are six. You are six. What are you worried about all this for? I was like, me and your mama, we're going to help you learn to spell. We are going to help you learn to read. Next time at Kroger, I will get you some red Doritos. I will take care of you. Why? You don't have anything to worry about. You've got two loving parents, two loving parents who are going to give you everything that you need. We are going to provide for you. What is your deal? I wonder sometimes, though, if God doesn't look at you and look at me the same way. I wonder if he doesn't look at us sometimes and say, what is wrong with you? You have a loving heavenly father who has promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. You've got a loving heavenly father who has promised you things like Romans 8, 28, that he's going to work all things out for the good of those who love him. I have promised you all these things. And I wonder if God looks at us and says, man, what in the world are you worrying about? You are my child because the truth is our worry our worry really doesn't have anything to do with our jobs our worry doesn't have anything to do with our finances it doesn't have anything to do with our our family and and really our life our worry doesn't have to, anything to do with any of those things our worry really is all about god we worry is god really there is god really going to work this out is god really going to take care of me? Does God really hear me? Does God really see me? That's what lies at the root of all of our worry. We worry about whether or not God is capable or not. 
Is he capable? And so what we tend to do when we are experiencing these periods of worry is we try to help God out. That's what Abraham and Sarah did. They tried to help God out. They tried to take shortcuts to the promises that God had given them. And when you and I try to take shortcuts to the promises that God has given us, we basically sideline God. What, is that, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, how many of you like sports? One or two of us? Okay, praise the Lord. There's some Christians here. Uh, I, I love sports. I, I, love, I love football. Uh, I'm really in mourning right now. Uh, for my Mississippi State Bulldogs, three points for real, three points. That's all they got. Anyway, I'll get over it. Uh, but I love football. I really do. And I, I remember back in the day, there was this football player named Bo Jackson. Anybody remember Bo Jackson? Yeah. And so Bo Jackson, man, he was unbelievable. Bo Jackson did it all. He played football. He played baseball. He, he really did it all. And he was probably one of the greatest athletes of all time. And I remember one time when I was little, I was watching him. I was like, man, that guy is unbelievable. I want to be just like him because he could make everybody miss him on the field. And I remember one day that he played for the Oakland Raiders. And one day they were playing the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks had a linebacker named Brian Bosworth. And Brian Bosworth was in a, uh, what do you call those, a press conference. And he was telling the press he was going to shut down Bo Jackson. He was going to shut him down. He was going to contain him. He wasn't going to let him have any yards. And you know what happened in that game? The way that Bo Jackson responded was by running over Brian Bosworth on his way to score a touchdown. Not only that, but uh, Bo Jackson scored another touchdown that very same game. Game 91 yards, he ran untouched into the end zone. He caught another pass for, for a touchdown in that game. He ran for 221 yards in a single game. He was a beast. He was a starter. And you know what? You don't put somebody like that on the bench. You don't. You don't. You don't bench the best. You don't put them on, on the bench because Bo knows football. Bo knows football. He knows baseball. That's what we used to say. He, he knows everything. Well, again, when you and I try to work things out, you know what we do? We put God on the sideline. We put someone who is omniscient, meaning he knows all things on the sideline. We put someone who is omnipotent, meaning he is all powerful. We put someone like that on the sideline. We put someone who spoke this world into existence, one who has all power, all authority. When we try to work things out for ourselves, we put God on the sideline and you don't put God on the sideline because he is bigger than any problem you and I will ever face. And so what happens is they put God on the sideline. They put God on the sideline. And when you and I do that, you know what else happens? People get hurt. Hagar gets hurt in this story. I'm telling you, when you take shortcuts, people get hurt. And there is devastation. And there is destruction. I can, I can prove it to you. Check out this picture. How many of y'all know what this picture is right here? Anybody know what this picture is? This right here is, is the, the deep water horizon. How many of y'all have seen the movie with Marky Mark from the Funky Bunch? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are like, Funky Bunch, what? Yeah, look it up. Anyway, uh, but in this movie right here, man, you really get to see exactly what taking shortcuts does. On April 10th, 2000, and, April 20th, I'm sorry, 2010, there was an explosion on this oil rig that killed 11 people. 11 lives were lost as, as a result of shortcuts. To make matters worse, do you know how much it costs to clean up the mess 
from a shortcut on this oil rig, $61.6 billion. Not million. $61.6 billion. And 11 lives were cut short because people tried to take shortcuts. So if you're trying to scheme, and if you're trying to fix things on your own, I want you to know that it will take much longer, much longer for you to work things out, and people will get hurt. So how should we respond when worry comes up in our life? How should we respond? How should our family respond? That's what we're going to talk about. I want you to see how Hagar responds. Hagar has this encounter with God. She has an encounter with God, and it causes her to do several things. The first thing that I want you to see that Hagar does is she remembers who she is. And when you worry, when I worry, we need to remember who we are. It's interesting in this story the way that Abraham and Sarah refer to Hagar. I want you to see this. Check this out. Look at verse 2. This is Sarah talking, and she looks at Abraham and says, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. My slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. How does she, what does she respond to her as? How does she call it? My slave, right? My slave. And look at what Abraham, look at what Abraham says in, in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 16. Again, this is Abraham talking. He says, Your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think is best. Do, do you notice that neither Abraham nor Sarah refer to Hagar by her name? They don't. She's just a slave. They, they, they refer to her based off of her issue. She's a slave. Her issue. Oh, that's just, yeah. They just refer to her based on her issue. But look at what God says. Look at what God says in verse, in verse 8. The Bible says, and he said, Hagar, Hagar, God called her by her name. God wasn't just going to say, here's your issue. He wasn't just going to refer to her as her issue. God calls her by name. And the same is true for you and the same is true for me. God knows our name. He doesn't refer to us based off of our issue. He doesn't refer to us based off of our problem. He knows our name. And we need to stop finding our identity in our issues and start finding our identity in God. Because when you find your identity in God, you can begin to beat the issues that you face. You need to know today that you are a child of God. We just sang about that. You are a child of God. You're not what people refer to you as. You're not what you did in your past. You're not what happened to you in your past. You are special. You are blessed. You are called. You are chosen. You are favored. You are anointed. I want you, man, you've got to know who you are. And I want you to see something that touched my heart this past week when I was studying something that I had never even thought about. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, look at what the Bible says here. This is unbelievable. It says, God decided in advance to adopt. Everybody say adopt. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it, what? It gave him great pleasure. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are accidental conceptions. And what I mean by that, you know, sometimes you just weren't planning to have a child. Anybody had any surprise kids? You know what I'm saying? Uh, the last two that I had were a surprise. Uh, we went to the doctor for a spider bite with Sadie Kate. 
or not Sadie Kate Wood, with Amanda, she had a, a spider bite. And so when the doctor came back in the room, congratulations on your pregnancy. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What did you say? So it was a, it was a, it was a surprise. So there are accidental conceptions, but there's no such thing as an accidental adoption. It's not. Adoption is intentional. Adoption is on purpose. It's not accidental. And so what does Ephesians chapter one, verse five say again? It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. You and I are adopted into the family of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. He has chosen you. Don't let your issue determine who you are. Find your identity in God. God calls Hagar by her name, and it must have touched her heart. It must have blessed her. It must have encouraged her because for so long, for so long, they just said, that's our slave. That's our Egyptian slave. Oh, that's that girl over there. That's just her. That's just her. But God said, no, you are Hagar. You are special. I love you. It helped her remember who she was. And I'm telling you, when you and I begin to worry, when we begin to have these spiritual panic attacks, we just need to remember who we are. We are a child of God, and God promises to take care of his children. He does. The next way that I think you and I need to respond to a spiritual panic attack is not only do we need to remember who we are, but we need to realize that we can get past our past. That's what Hagar does. She realizes that she can get past her past. Now, how many of y'all know what uh, this right here is? Let me pull it up for you guys. How many of y'all know what this is? Oh, I see y'all. Look at all y'all some beautiful people. Look at me. Look at that. See, y'all know what this is? How many of y'all know what this is? This is a mirror. Come on now. Everybody, everybody knows what this is, right? Some of y'all are responding, but some people are like, what is that? I don't know. It's on the frame. So how many of y'all have a mirror? Come on, y'all participate. You'll enjoy this better, and I'll, I will enjoy it better. You've got a mirror. I mean, we, we have these in our homes. We put these in our bathrooms. You know what I mean? They're in our cars. Ladies carry these around in their purses, probably not this size. If you carry one this big in your purse, you have a problem. You know what I'm saying? But, but we, we all have mirrors, and, and the reason why we have mirrors is because we like to look at ourselves, right? I'm trying not to blind y'all. But anyway, so we like to look at ourselves. We do. And usually when we look in the mirror, what we're hoping to do is we're trying to make ourselves more presentable for who? For others, right? Because we want other people, when they see us, we want them to see someone beautiful. We want them to see someone that they are pleased with. But oftentimes, when we look at ourselves, we're not pleased. And I don't even mean really look at ourselves physically. I just mean when we think about ourselves. When we think about who we are. A lot of times when we think about ourselves, we're not pleased with who we are, and we begin to think about our, our past. We say, oh man, I was a liar. Y'all probably can't see that, but I wrote it. Oh, I'm, I'm divorced. I, I got this, this issue sexually. I can't even spell. There you go. I got, I, got this, I got this problem. I stole one time. I'm a thief. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm just, a, I'm always angry. I've got all these issues. When we, when we think about ourselves, we think about all these, these bad things, all of these issues, you know what I mean? But what I want you to understand is that God knew that you and I were going to have an issue getting past our past and getting over these issues. And so he sent his son, Jesus. See in John, in the book of John, John the Baptist, he actually sees Jesus Christ coming and he says, behold, the lamb of God who what? takes away the sin of the world. God sent Jesus Christ, you know what, to do away with all of this stuff. God sent Jesus Christ to undo, to erase our past. He said, you know what, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, the new has come and the old has gone. You don't have to be identified by your past issue. It's Christ and Christ alone who should give you and I our identity. See, here's the thing. When all we do is think about our issues, when all we do is think about all these things that we've done in our past or things that have been done to us, what I want you to understand is that when we think about those things, it messes up our future. It messes up our future. See, think about Hagar. She didn't know where she was going, but she knew where she was coming from, right? She knew where she was coming from. She didn't have an issue about the future, but she, she, she didn't have a, uh, an answer about the future, but she had an answer about the past. But when we realize that we are children of God, our future opens up. I want you to see this. John chapter 3, verse 16. Very familiar passage. What does it say? It says, hey, you know what? God so loved the world that what he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see that? So that we'll have a what? A future. God wants to give us a future. But Robert, you don't know about my past. You don't know all these things. I, you're right, I don't. But I do know God. And I know what God's word says. And I also love the fact that he gives us a fresh start. Dallas Willard said this, he said, in Jesus, there is forgiveness that knows no limits. Jesus came for the flunkouts, the dropouts, and the burnouts. The broken, the broken, the drug heads, and the divorce, the HIV positive, the herpes ridden, the brain, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the barren, and the pregnant too many times, or the pregnant at the wrong time, the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the streets, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved, or emotionally dead, and on and on and on. It is true that earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Amen. Don't let your past. Don't let your past dictate your future. Don't let your past determine your future because if you're not dead, God's not done. If you've got a pulse, God has a plan. I'm telling you this morning, you can get past your past. Hagar realized that. Hagar realized that. She begins to worry, and then she has an encounter with God, and she remembers who she is. She realizes, I can get past my past. And the third thing that I want you to see this morning is this, is that she recognizes God's presence. When you and I worry, you know what we need to do? We need to recognize God's presence. See, it's hard for us. We live in a world where it's hard for us to get along. 
But spending time alone with God is so important. Getting alone with just you and God, it's so important. Again, in our world, it's hard for us to get alone. I mean, if you've got kids, even the bathroom's not safe anymore, right? I mean, you go in there and kids are putting fingers under the door, knocking. I know you're in there. What are you doing? I'm trying to get away from you, right? Am I not? But see, in the world in which we live, even when we get away from our kids, even when we get away from people, we're still not alone because we're connected to our phones. We're connected to all this other stuff. But here, Hagar is alone. And it's when she's alone that she has this encounter with God that changes everything. It's in this moment where she has this encounter with God and she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is there, that God is real, and that she is loved. Do you have moments like that? Or do you truly get alone with you and God? Do you have moments like that where you truly get alone to experience the goodness of God? Do you have moments like that? See, I'm wrapping up. Look at verse 13. I want you to see something. The Bible says that she gave this name, Hagar. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Man, that's amazing. God sees her. And I want you to know today that God sees you. He sees me. He sees us. You are the God who sees me. And she says, I have now seen the one who sees me. Did you catch that last part? Not only did God see her, but she saw God. She saw him. Do you know that God wants you to see him? He does. He wants you to see him. God's not trying to play hide and seek from you. God's not trying to make it difficult for you to see him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to experience his presence. God wants to be a part of your daily life. He sees us. But some of us don't believe that. We don't believe God sees us, and we don't believe that God wants us to see him. Oh, he might want to see other people, but he doesn't want to see me. God doesn't want to see me. We'll be going through a difficult time. Things will be bad, and we wonder, where is God? But I want you to see one more verse. One more verse is so good. Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, if you're here today and you're having a spiritual panic attack, I want you to know that you're closer to God than ever because he's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is close to the Hagar's of the world. He's close. He sees you and he wants you to see him. He wants you to recognize his presence because he's a good God. He's a loving God. And I hope you know that today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I wonder today, 
if there's someone here and you really are, you're going through a tough time. You feel like you're alone. You say, Pastor, pray for me. If that's you right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. You just need some help. You need God's help. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you would be with these who feel alone. Father, may they recognize your presence. May they realize who they are and remember that they can get past anything. Father, because your presence is with them. I also wonder today if there's somebody here who just doesn't know Jesus. You've been controlled by your past. You've been controlled by your issues. I want you to know today that you can have a fresh start. Jesus came to undo all of that. If you say, Pastor, today I know that I need to give, give my life to Christ. I need to, I, need to, I, need to, I need to get right with him. If that's you right where you are, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. But you know that you need to be saved today. Amen. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer. Father, today, I confess my sins to you. Father, and I know that there's nothing that I can do to save myself. It's you and you alone who does that work. So today I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Help me, Father, from this day forward to live for you. Thank you for saving me. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.